Welcome to the Fisher's Life Podcast. We hope that what God is doing in our spirit-filled community will also bless you today. Get connected by following us on Instagram at Fisher's Life and enjoy this message by our lead pastor, John Hudson. religion and you're just not going through the formalities and um, I want to talk to you about a little little bit about a story today it's a Jewish professor it's towards the end of his tenure the end of the semester and the class hadn't been the most receiving class of his material it had been a hard semester for those that are in the teaching profession deal with kids, you know that there were good years and they're bad. This particular year had been a strain on the, the elderly man, full of wisdom. At the end of the semester, he was standing in front of the class, and um, he had finished the last lecture, and he just kind of asked, are there any further questions? Not of the corner of a room young man who had just kind of been difficult through the, through the, the class. Yet, yeah, prof, what's the meaning of life? And with that, the old Jewish professor reached into his wallet and pulled out a small piece of glass and began to tell a story. He said, my life hasn't always been here in America. My life began as a, a person that lived on the run the Germans were after me. And the room began to grow silent as they realized this man had more of a story than they'd ever realized. He said, I would go from house to house and place to place scavenging for food, and I would find a place to rest. And he said, it was one day that I was walking along the road trying to find a place to uh, to hide from the Germans for that moment, and I ran across an old motorcycle and there lay in on the, in that motorcycle was a, a little piece of the mirror that had broken off and he said I picked it up and it cut my hand he said but I didn't throw it down I kept that, that piece of mirror and he said as I would lay in a barn at night I would file it I would move it around I'd do whatever I could to smooth the edges and get it into a shapely place just to fill my mind, just to fill the time, the pain, the, the misunderstanding, not know, knowing why all this was happening in my life. He said, it just became kind of my, my, my place of, of comfort, my place of rest. The room is now silent as he continues to tell the story. They're, they can't understand exactly how this has anything to do with the meaning of life. 
And he continues to tell the story. And he says, after a while, I, I, got, the, I got it filed down so there were no sharp edges. And I, I got it shaped into a, a nice little square, and it was perfect. And he said, I, I became bored, and I didn't know what to do. And then he said, one night I had it, and I caught a glimpse of the moon. And it hit the mirror, and it hit a spot. And he said, I began to work day after day. And he said, I, I would catch the moon, I would catch the sun, and I would practice hitting a target. He said, I got so good that I could just, with a flick of a wrist, I could just hit it to a direct spot. I could point it at night, and put it in a keyhole. And he says, I, as I got older and the war was over and I had my freedom, he said, I held on to the mirror. I just, and I would continue to take that, he said, lay in bed at night and couldn't sleep the horrors of life that I would remember. And he said, I'd pick up the mirror and I would look at the window and the, the moon would come through and I'd hit it and bam, I'd hit the keyhole. And with that, he took the mirror. And the students are now quiet and all. And the young man that had asked the question was sitting there kind of like this, listening now intently. And the man with just a flick of the wrist went bam and hits the sunbeam out the side and shoots a beam of light that goes through the little apex of the young man sitting there and hits him right on the heart. And he said, young man, you asked me what the meaning of life is. And he says, this is it, that you reflect the light. And if there's anything that we as Christians have come called to do, it is to reflect the light of Jesus Christ. John chapter 3, verse 30 says this, He must increase, but I must decrease. There are two parts of that equation that must work in our lives. First, Jesus must increase in our life. He must take a grander stage. He must have more prominence in each and one of all of our lives. It's not enough just to say, I give you my life, but he must take precedence. He must, must take a place in your life of importance. He can't be relegated to some low place, but he must increase, not just a, in a moment of time where you came to an altar and gave yourself to him, not just a moment of going into the waters of baptism, but for saying, God, your spirit can come inside of me. No, if we really, you know, that's knocking off the edges, but if we really want Christ, we must become people that position Christ in the right place so that we reflect his glory, that we reflect his holiness, that we reflect his righteousness. We must reflect Jesus Christ. John is the one that spoke these very words. John said, I must, he must increase, but I must decrease. John understood his poor part in life. He understood that God was going to grow in intensity, that God was going to grow into importance. And can I ask a question? Is God growing in importance in your life? Or has he decreased. It did not say he must decrease. It said he must increase. But I'm afraid in the world and the times that we live in, there is so much, so many people that are allowing God to decrease in importance, decrease in his, his view, your view of him and people seeing him. We, we almost want to hide God. 
We show up on a Sunday morning and, and do our little part, but God must not decrease in our lives. Every single day that we live, He is to increase. He is to become more and more relevant. He is to become more and more important, more and part of our lives than He ever has been before. I don't know of a greater hour that we need Jesus Christ than we need Him right now. We cannot solve the social ills. We cannot solve the, the direction our country is on our own. We're not going to fix this with another vote and another president and another Congress. We need the help of an almighty God to step into this world. He's got to increase. John understood his part. My job on this earth is simply to get God lifted up, to help him increase, to do everything that I can. And may I suggest, while you have jobs and responsibilities and things to do, the number one thing that we've got to do is help God become bigger. He, he can't be any bigger, but we can make him bigger in people's face, in people's eyes. They can see him greater. Job was a man that had a perspective of God. He was a man that sacrificed. He was a man that gave. He was a man that was concerned about his children. But he had a limited scope of God. He pretty much had God in a box. This is what I do. I sacrifice regularly. I do these things. But it wasn't a, it wasn't a grand view of God. And so Job's life is, is turned over, if some would say, to Satan. The age-old old question, why do bad things happen to good people? Or more, more, why does just bad things happen? I can't answer that question for you. But I can tell you this. If you allow God in the bad situations, if you allow, he will become bigger. He will become bigger. Job had that, that, that moment of time because here it is, the trials come. He, lose all, he loses all his assets. He loses his family. He loses his wealth. He loses his health. And he's in the lowest of places. And some would say God couldn't be any smaller. But I'm here to tell you, sometimes when you're in your lowest place, God's getting ready to show himself in his biggest ways. And you cannot look to your friends and your peers to say, where is God in all this? Because they're, they're not going to have the perspective. Job's friends analyzed and, and questioned and, and had all kinds of dynamics for, for Job as to reason he was suffering and what he had done. And what. But all of a sudden, God stepped into the picture and began to show him who he was, began to talk about the stars that he created, began to talk about the mountains that he made and the rivers that he formed with his fingers. And all of a sudden, the God that he just simply worshiped in a small way became a big God. And Job said of himself, I am a vile man. I have never seen God in this light, in this size. I'm here to tell you that God wants to increase in your life. David, one of the greatest men in the Bible, experiences so much success. We tell the stories in our, in our, in our Sunday school classes, and we talk about how he killed a bear and killed a lion and how he killed Goliath and how he succeeded as a king and all the wonderful stories. But I love Psalm verse 8. Or chapter 8, verse 3, where he says, When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have set in place, what is man that thou art mindful of him? David got a perspective of a big God, a God that has to increase in size. 
He must increase in our life. How does God increase? Old song says, shut in with God in a secret place. You see, you've got to put the God in a place where he becomes larger than whatever your, your situation is. You've got to get God bigger. Now, why he does not change your, your location to God will determine what's bigger, your circumstances or your God. I wanted to, but if I had an object right here in front of me, it is going to be, it's going to be that size, it's large enough, and it could block out the view of you, right? All I could see if I had a basketball right here was this orange. I could not see. Maybe on the peripheral, I might see a screen. I might see something here. But if I back away from that object, from that basketball that's staying right here, and the further I get away from it, the smaller God gets, and the more my my problem gets. How do I make God bigger? I just start walking closer to Him. I just start getting all of a sudden the objects that are around me, that are in my view, that's in my perspective, starts losing focus, starts getting smaller, because all I can see is a God that is bigger than any one of my, God's on top of everything. God's got your situation. God's got you surrounded. You just need to get close enough where the things of this world grow strangely dim. God must increase. It's it's, it's not a hard thing. It's not something that you, well, I've got to fast until my belly button touches my backbone and I got to get on my knees 24. No, that's not, that's just not the answer. You've got to decide I'm coming close to God. I want a relationship with him. Oh, that I might know him. You've got to have that. How did Paul make it through so many storms and trials and shipwrecks? He got close to God. I must allow God to increase. He must become larger than my situations. Will you walk through situations in this life? Everybody in this room is walking through something right now. And sometimes we laugh at other people's problems. We're like, their problem is so small. It may be because, one, that problem is someplace you're close to God and they're not. And they may look at your situation and say, their situation seems so absurd, you laugh at it. But they're close to God in that situation. The situations that overwhelm you are the situations that you're not taking to God. Not in getting God close to. Because you cannot get in any situation that when God gets close to it, he gets bigger than it. Can't get to any, there's no situation that if God gets close enough to it, well, you don't know what I'm walking through. No, you don't know how big my God is. Don't know how big God is. That does not mean he's always going to be, going to deliver, deliver me through, from the storm. But if I get close to him, if I get around him enough, what I am seeing is not the problem. It is not, I'm not feeling the pain. I'm not overwhelmed by the situation. I am overwhelmed by the God Almighty, Prince of Peace, Hope of Glory. He is surrounding me. He must increase in our lives. 
How many dinners do we sit and discuss the problems? How many times do we sit and discuss the issue? And how much time do we say, but God is so much bigger than this. He must increase. But that is only the first part of the formula. There is a second part that I must decrease. This is not the easy part to preach because the decrease is not something that the flesh naturally wants to do. We want to fix the things ourselves. We want to we want to rise above it all by ourselves. We're 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 self-made individuals. The American spirit, though probably not as strong as it once was, is we can we can do it. We can accomplish it. As much as you may stand on one side or another. There is something awesome if you would just take it in the simplest form, make America great again. I'm not here to talk about the politics, but America should be great again. And the way that it gets great again is simply by us getting on our knees and asking God to become great again in this place. Just God. We must decrease. Decreasing is not something naturally going to do. You know what? Today I'm going to get smaller. Who woke up any time last week and said, I'm going to get smaller? Well, I know some of you are on a diet and say, I want to get smaller. But I want to become less significant at work. I want to be less important on Facebook. My goal is to decrease. It's not the natural desire compulsion of a person it is i've got to i've got to build my brand i got to become some of your brands need some serious work yesterday or the day before i was i was in the family room and i walked into the family room and gentry and rissa that like mom you've got to work on your instagram it is bad your photos are grainy. You're always copying. And she went, to, she went to college on the other day. So she has got a brand new etiquette on, on Instagram. You're going to see marked improvement. Yesterday she made some incredible sugar cookies, Super Bowl cookies for today. And she was getting ready to picture it, take a photo. And this is how it's going in her home. No, 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 no. And then they come. They come rushing in. And they, like, put the cookies on a particular... Have you seen the photo? Okay, yeah, there's a couple of you have seen the photo. No, 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 no. This just was This is just this snap. No, now the, the, the cookies had to be put exactly in the right place. And then we took the cookie, took the little uh, cake sheet or whatever, and we put it on the floor, and we made sure that our shadow was not in it. We'd be gone. We'd come, we went way past stupid a long time ago. Elections for a new pastor begin on Wednesday. Submit your votes to the board. We gone dumb. But we, because we are so entranced right now as a society with image, and it's all about promoting ourselves and making it the right thing, and the resume has to be just right, and everything has to be done. And there's no room for the word decrease. Less of me, not just more of God, but less of me is not a, a way. But it's not something that's irregular. It's, it's, it's part 
You see, Moses is born and birth is taken out of that water and is given a, an incredible life. He is going to become a Pharaoh and he gets caught up in who he is. He gets caught up in what he's going to become and he begins to think of, I can do this. No, Moses, you're just a Hebrew. You're just flesh and blood. You just, you just happenstance to, to be at the right place at the right time. You didn't do this yourself. You didn't become a self-made man. You didn't get those clothes yourself. You were put in a water in a basket, and God, by his design, had that little girl find you, and you got a special place. But it's not about how talented and how gifted you are. Moses, you, you think you can do it, and he goes out and he kills an Egyptian because he can do it. And God goes, we, before you could ever become what I need you to become, there's got to be a decrease. And flesh says, no, no decrease. But God says, yes. And so when we try to do things ourselves, all of a sudden Moses realizes the people are, are against him and against what he has done. He says, are you going to kill us also? And he has to flee. Sometimes your trial, sometimes what you're walking through is designed by God to break you, designed to help you to decrease because you're not willing to do it on your own until you get to a place that you're moldable, until you're to a place that he can be increased and you can just take that small seat. God can't do anything. So some of the stuff that we're walking through right now, We've, we've done it on our own. We've created our own messes. And now we're running like Moses in the, the desert. But that is the place that God gets Moses to where he wants him to be. To the decrease. God, this is not how I had it done. Has anybody said that? God, this is not how I designed my life. This is not the way that I had it going. This is not the way that I thought my family would turn around. This is not how my children, don't worry about it. Just say, God, help me to decrease. Less of me and more of you. I, I hope that I am not, and I hope that there's nobody in here that is thick, as thick-skulled as Moses was. He had to be thick-skulled. Because it took God 40 years. Some of you have been working on your spouses a long time. But it ain't been 40 years. It took him that long to get him to this place of brokenness. So much of the world, so much of Egypt had got inside of Moses that he had to spend a long time just with sheep in a wilderness. No people, no body, no, no, no pats on the back, just him alone in a desert. But every day he lived with the pain. Was there pain? When you make a mistake, who beats themselves up more than anybody? I do. You do. Your, your greatest regret may be becoming your greatest success. The thing that you hated, that you did the worst, may be the thing that is breaking you the most and getting you to the place. John said it so well, I must decrease. And finally, he gets Moses to that broken place in, in his life that a fire comes and you begin to see the change. No longer is Moses concerned about his attire and about his appearance and about his reputation. He hears the voice of God in the fire and he removes his shoes off his feet and he comes what? 
close to God. God has begun to increase, but something else. Because it just, God just increasing by himself isn't good. He's got to get Moses in this moldable place. Got to get him to this place where he's usable. And now he brings him up to the fire and he says, Moses, I got a job for you to do. Instead of an arrogance, instead of haughtiness, yeah, God, let's go. What are the words of Moses? I can't do it. I don't have the abilities. I don't have the skills. I, I st- st- stutter, and people won't listen to me. None of those words are ever spoken in Egypt. They're only spoken in deserts. And as much as we hate the deserts, it is a place where God decreases us. It is a place that God breaks us down to a place that he can use us, where he becomes the center. He wants to have all the glory. He will not share his glory with another. God puts us into that spot. A youthful Joseph brags about his dreams and leading his family. And you can see the supremacy and his haughtiness as he thinks, I've got it together. I've got the coat. I've got the favor. But what is it? It's a little journey of decrease down the, the road of less. Not where Joseph would not say, sign me up. No. I want to spend 12 years in a jail. But the brokenness, the decrease changes everything in Joseph's life. Decrease is not a word that I want to hear. Decrease in pay. Decrease in position. Decrease in health. God, why are you breaking me? Why did this happen? Could it be that God is taking our problems or has put a problem in our lives to get us to the place where we can see God where he wants us to see him. Why the pain, the suffering, why the attacks? So that we might decrease. If our worship team will come, the purpose of life, back to that original thing. The purpose of life is that I might reflect his glory. That God would get me to that place that I am usable. That I can impact somebody else's life. Wouldn't it be, and I wonder who he has, that he can say, I, I need you today to be in this place at this moment in this time. See, the little mirror was in the hand of the Jewish professor. It had no control. It was controlled by this man that had all the, the ability. And all he needed was to get to get that mirror in the right place, bam, and suddenly it would shoot light. What if God, and we're so resistant, could just get you to move to that place where you reflect him? That we could show we're to be salt, we're to be light, 
But if the light is not in the right place, if the, the reflection is not in the right place, it never penetrates the darkness of souls. I'm here to submit to you part of your purpose of life is it's not to get in, just to get an education. It's not just to get a social status to have homes and cars. And none of those things are bad. But you have been positioned. You've been called to be the light. It's like, I can't be. No, you can't be the light. But you can be the reflector of his glory. I want to see that light. I want to see Jesus in a brand new way in 2019. I don't know how I get there exactly, but somehow I'm calling this church to say, I'm going to bring Jesus closer. Stand with me this morning. Oh, exactly who I'm preaching to. But there's somebody standing in this room that you were once much closer to God than you are right now. I don't know what has caused you to push away, to back away from His glory. You see, when you, if this podium could represent Him, when I am around it, there's, there's two things that happen. One, I see His glory. I'm just overwhelmed by it. But it is in the brilliance of His light that I see everything. And I think sometimes that's the hard part is when you get close to God, you just begin to see the flaws and you see stuff in your life that just overwhelms you because light exposes, doesn't it? When I, I can't see something well, I go to the light and I get close to it so I can see that little bitty uh, screw that needs something. I, I can't see it well enough, but if I get enough light around it, I see it. Being close to God, that exposes things in our life. But, you know, there's other times I don't want that light, so I, I get away from it. God, don't let, I don't want to see all that stuff about my life. I don't want to see all that. I don't want to hear all that. But you've got to make a decision because when you back away not only when you back away do you not see the stuff in yourself but you begin to see everything else that is in this world you begin to see all the flaws in others you begin to see all the problems and all the situations it's all you just see everything when you get away from God this is one of the reasons I just love to come to the house because if I can just get shut in with God in that secret place there all of a sudden all the issues all the things of this life just start to fade away there's people in this room that need that this morning you need God to come close you need to bring him close right now without hesitation I want you to step out of that aisle if God needs to be closer to you you need to get closer He's, he's waiting right now. Just walk right up to this front and say, God, I want, to be, I want to, you to be closer. My situations are overwhelming me. Don't you go back. 
Don't you go back and get in your car and start talking about your problems if you haven't come to this altar and say, God, I want you to be bigger than what I'm walking through right now. I'm here to tell you, you can leave this room with it. It doesn't mean anything's changed. You've just got God closer. Heads bowed for just a moment. Jesus, this morning you're speaking to somebody in this room. Thanks for listening to Fisher's Life. Be sure to follow or subscribe to get the latest message every Monday.